0: that keeps you in the loop on all things pop culture so you can talk about it with your friends. I'm Courtney. I'm Shannon. I'm Andrew. And (laughs) we're here this week to talk to you about Toy Story. Yay! Mm. I'm really excited. The Disney fan in me is just like (laughs) really excited. Uh, Before we get to that though, we wanted to do a little Media of the Week segment. So uh, Shannon, tell us about what you've been reading or watching or listening to.
1: Yeah, um, last weekend (laughs) I caught up on seemingly everything that's on Netflix. <laughs> um, I finished the third season of Riverdale which is Palkers, and I love it so much. It's so stupid. Chad Michael Murray plays a cult leader and it's really so? great. Yeah huh. and they have an episode that is just for no real apparent reason is just all the music from the Heathers musical and, yeah, it just keeps getting wild, and it's terribly <laughs> written, and I just really love that show.
2: Is, is
3: Riverdale Heathers for this, for Millennials, or Gen X, or not Gen X, Gen Y?
2: I mean, in
1: it, they made all the songs from that fit into it, but it's more... It's getting to be more supernatural than that. Oh, okay. I think now that Sabrina exists, that they're trying to get like the two to so eventually crossover? cross over. Yeah.
3: Is, but Riverdale is a network show. It's not a Netflix show. Right. right? right. That's interesting. They're, they have the same internationally,
1: creators, and, Yeah, Internationally, they distribute, Netflix distributes oh, Riverdale,
2: okay. though. All right. Okay. But
1: anyway, it's bonkers. Is it very
3: similar to Sabrina? <laughs> I
1: haven't actually watched Sabrina. Oh, okay. Oh. I would hope
0: Sabrina is better written than <laughs> River Hill. I really F- like Sabrina. Courtney
3: really likes Sabrina. We watched it together. It's, it's super dark, and
0: I love it. It's not
3: really my scene, but it wasn't really written I... for like it wasn't really written for a thirty year old guy. Like that's, that's yeah. Not really, it's not. This really is also
0: anymore.
1: not written for a thirty year old guy. So it's like I'll say so. Like there are two kind of storylines in the third season, which I mean, slight spoiler, but like shockingly never come together, which I definitely thought they were going to be related to each other. You've got this cult, which... So it's based on the Archie comics. You have Betty's family has, like, joined this cult, and Betty's trying to get them out of the cult. And then the other storyline is... um Oh, dang it. What is it even? I mean, you've got Veronica's dad is, like, mod boss of Riverdale, <laughs> and then you, the last season, you had the Black hoods so as someone that's just going around murdering everyone. Oh, so this time, now their storyline is, they have this, like, D&D type go- game called Griffins and Gargoyles, so G&G, and people are, like, dying because of this stupid game, what? and so, anyway, it, it's really bonkers.
3: <laughs> um, well, the Archie comics get really bonkers.
1: Uh, that I like, do not know. <laughs> well, Archie
3: goes up against the Punisher. Oh. And he also goes up hmm. against the Predator. Hmm. Like, he just kind of crosses over in the most insane hmm. things. Like, Ar- yeah, Archie somehow met the Punisher. And here's just here's just a screen grab. It's, it's from a screen grab from a video. <laughs> but you can see the Punisher is, you know, very stylistically drawn. But so is Archie. And they're meeting up for the first time, and it's yeah.
1: I have Archie versus Sharknado. Oh, nice! All right, (laughs) that's pretty great. Uh, Anyway. Can I briefly mention some other ones? I'll be back about it. I also watched The Last Summer because I finished Riverdale and The Last Summer has Archie in it. (laughs) So I had to watch that. It was dumb, but like a good Netflix rom com in better Netflix rom coms, Always Be My Maybe. We watched that too! It was really delightful. Yeah. Um, Keanu
0: Reeves is everything. uh,
3: (laughs) He's a a treasure. Courtney doesn't like him.
0: I thought he was okay in that just because he plays like a heightened version of himself. Yeah. I don't know. And I found I think, that really entertaining. I saw you know, John Wick 3
1: to recently, too. Well, all the John Wick movies, and he's just so great. I just, I love <laughs> that he commits. Yes. He's kind of like Nicolas Cage in that way. Yeah. Yeah. We are
3: just talking about that, because that stupid Jezebel list came out yesterday.
2: Jezebel list? Yeah, yeah, so Jezebel. Jezebel the, I mean, it was obviously I mean, I just to get yeah.
3: people to argue about things online. Oh. But they released this list of actors who aren't good at their jobs. And it was like Brie Larson and Nicolas Cage and John Travolta and because Michael B. Jordan. Cage is good at his job. they had, it, it had like <laughs> Michael B. Jordan and Amy Adams on the list, too. And it's just like, oh, so you just put this list out to make people yell about yeah, it. And yeah. it's working because I'm talking about it. But like, yeah, I'm
0: not going to yell about it then. That is a yeah, valid marketing technique. <laughs>
3: yeah, I mean, it's a stupid one, but...
0: I mean, it's getting people to talk about Jezebel, which they haven't in quite a while, so... <laughs> yeah, <I don't> know. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Anyway, I Andrew, what have you Netflix been... Things. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. Did you want to talk about more of them? I also I watched, watched The Perfection.
1: Oh, I can't nice. say anything about that one without spoiling it. It okay. was wild.
0: What is it about?
3: Uh, or <laughs> Alright, never mind. <laughs> it has
0: Alison Williams
1: in it. Okay. She used to be, like, a, a very a cellist. Like a really great cellist.
3: We watched that trailer the other day. It was, mm-hmm. yeah, there were, like, two cellists, or there was a cellist and it was, like, really weird and, like, Almost, it, it reminded me of the trailer for The Master, that first one when it came out. Yeah. Kind of just like, oh, something's really disturbing is yep. going on here.
1: It's disturbing. That's all I'm going to say.
3: We, we watched <laughs> and There was like... There was I don't that, remember. It was an article on The Ringer that was like, here's what you should watch in June. It's streaming. <laughs> and then the perfection was one that we watched the trailer.
1: I mean, I liked it just for all the
0: twists and turns, but it's disturbing. Anyway, that's all. Cool. <laughs> all right, Andrew, what have you got?
3: Uh... Ooh, um, I went and saw Godzilla King of the Monsters.
0: Yeah, I did. How was that? I'm so excited.
3: <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> no, you didn't. I did. I, but I loved it as a Godzilla fan. My The the film, like, the understanding film part of my brain was like, this is dumb. But the in your inner nine-year-old was just like, yeah! <laughs>
0: he came home and he told me that it was... It was a great Godzilla movie, but not a good movie movie. <laughs>
2: yeah.
3: I, I, was, I came to this conclusion in the shower this morning. I, th- I feel that kaiju movies are in the same place that comic book movies were in in the early 2000s. Like, they're still trying to prove that they belong in film critique discussions. But there hasn't been the Batman Begins, Dark Knight, yeah. Iron Man kaiju film yet like there's been some good ones but good kaiju movie is like a relative term like kaiju films aren't really kind of taken seriously as like an art form type of thing because there's not very much to say because it's just giant monsters destroying things like you have some good ones like 2014 godzilla the first pacific Rim. it's good and dumb we didn't talk about it during our godzilla episode which i'm sad about i wanted to talk about pacific Rim, but we ran out of time um but like you have kind of these films that are like yeah they're pretty good but there hasn't been like a this is the perfect kaiju film that has something to say um and it's kind of it, it kind of reminds me of the early 2000s superhero movies your X-Men that's pretty good but like doesn't it's not great um I disagree, but, that's Dar- fine. <laughs> but it reminds me more of like the Daredevils the Fantastic Fours, yeah. the um the Punisher with John Travolta um, and Thomas Jane um, that kind of era of superhero films they they didn't know how to be serious enough to be taken seriously but also not really taking itself too seriously I don't know it's, it's kind of in this thing and I don't know that we're necessarily going to get in this next little run we might with, with Godzilla versus Kong next year I, I highly doubt it given the direction that King of the Monsters took <laughs> um, But I don't think that there's been kind of that like, oh, okay, see, this can be good. Like, this can be in the same conversation. That being said, I loved King of the Monsters. I had a blast. There were so many Godzilla Easter eggs in it. Mm -hmm. Um, And King Ghidorah was terrifying at parts, uh, which which I really, I I thought was really cool. And I know that it wasn't great. I don't know why Kyle Chandler was always where he needed to be, but he was... (laughs) Um, but I, I love this I need
1: you to download slash film cast and listen to him rant about this movie for really? an hour and a half <laughs> yeah I did not see it I only listened to them complain about how terrible
2: it is
3: look and, and that's the thing is I understand that it's uh, I like I even started getting a headache during the movie and it's like I understand like I a hundred percent understand that it's not great, but it it was never going to be great. It was never going it's like to be shark movies. Yes, exactly. Like it was never going to be Citizen Kane. Yeah. It was never going to be like heck. Even I don't know John Wick. It was never going to be that. It's just this ridiculous movie. We just wanted to see monsters fight. That's what like God, well, I say. We I mean Godzilla fans. That's all that Godzilla fans wanted to see was Godzilla finding a bunch of giant monsters. We got that. I I was happy. And like, I don't want to judge the movie for being, for not, for like, not holding up to standards that it never was trying to hit in the first place. Like, I'm a really bad geologist, but I never wanted to be a geologist, so I don't want to be judged according to those standards. <laughs> so, like, I feel that's the same kind of thing with this movie. Yeah.
1: That was a really good analogy.
0: <laughs> I also do not want to be judged by the standards of geologists. <laughs> <a> geologist. <laughs> um, what have I been watching? So we watched uh, Good Omens. And that's been the main thing for the past week, at least, is Good Omens. Um, it's amazing. I loved everything about it. I don't think I've talked to a single person yet who's watched it who has not enjoyed it. Granted, I tend to socialize with people who are very like similarly <laughs> minded to me, but it's great, and everyone should see it.
3: The the crux of that what makes it so good is the interplay of Michael Sheen and David Tennant, which is yes. just it's delightful. Oh my gosh. Michael Sheen plays such a fussy, like uptight guy. David yeah. Tennant is at his best, like guy guy who instigates trouble. Uh huh.
0: It's the, it's great. So for people who are unfamiliar with it. Good Omens is a book that was written by Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman. Um, It has been adapted into a six-episode series by Amazon. Um, It's basically Martin Sheen is an angel, and David Tennant plays a demon, and they team up to try to stop the end of the world. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's great. I love it. Um, At one point, David Tennant, like... Dresses as a woman and becomes a nanny to this kid that they think is the Antichrist, um, which is amazing. Kind of
3: Mary Poppins, Mrs. Doubtfire yeah. esque type of thing <laughs> going on, and it's pretty great. It's
0: pretty great. He yells at houseplants, which is amazing. Um, yeah, it's very British. It is very British. It's
3: very British. So if you're not a fan of like British humor, it may not. Yeah. Be your. It may not be it's your it's
0: very dry, but. I, I know. I feel like even if you don't like British humor, it's still very good from like a drama perspective. David Tennant is like brilliant in it as he is in all things. Who doesn't like
1: David Tennant? I know.
0: He's like, so they He's so great. He's so good. Um, yeah. At one point he like, yeah, he and Michael Sheen, they you see them kind of palling around throughout the centuries, mm-hmm. like at major events. In time, so like the French Revolution and that's my favorite the, interaction. That and they the have crucifixion during... of Christ and like all these different things, it's amazing. Yeah,
3: during the during the French Revolution, might be my favorite interaction that they have. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty great. Yeah, I don't want to spoil it, but it's pretty great.
0: Yeah. Shannon, you should watch it. <laughs> there are too many things. To there are too watch. many things. Okay, but this needs to go like. Handmaid's Tale just started. Oh yeah. People keep telling me watch Chernobyl. So that's you, the thing that I do not need. Well, that
3: like I I and I feel dumb because I felt the same way about Game of Thrones because I but oh, I wound right. up watching the entire thing. It was less like I understand that it's like like I understand all all like about it and stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't need to see it, <laughs> like. Like, most of the stuff I've seen on Twitter is just like, oh, yeah, uh, I really didn't need to see what happened to those first responders. Thanks, Chernobyl. <laughs> and yeah. it's just like, I'm like, is that really something I want to put into my life? I don't, I don't really think so.
0: Yeah. Ugh. Anyway. There's cool. A lot of things. Well, let's talk about Toy Story. I'm really <clears throat> excited. Yeah. Okay, so let's do first exposures first. So what was y'all's first exposure to Toy Story?
3: I mean, seeing it in the theater when it came out.
0: Yeah. When did it come out? Ninety five. Ninety five. It was November of ninety five. So Andrew and I would have been seven at the time. So yeah, it was five. You were five. I my favorite was always Beauty
1: and the Beast. Like we rewatched it and mm-hmm. watched it, and watched and watched it. My brother's was Toy Story. Oh. <laughs> so we watched it, watched it, watched it. Nice. Um, he had like a throw that was Toy Story themed. So oh. it had the characters all on it. Like, he had Buzz Lightyear and all the toys and stuff, so, yeah. Yep, that was always around in our house. <laughs> yeah.
3: I had and still have the uh, Toy Story video game for the Super Nintendo. Nice. It's very bad. <laughs> um, but I played that a bunch when I was a kid. Do
2: they have that on
1: Game Boy? I think Probably. I had that on Game Boy
0: Color.
3: Probably.
1: Now I'm thinking about it.
0: Yeah. Hmm. Um, I remember seeing it in the theater and being really confused Cause I was seven and like I had gotten to the point that I understood what a cartoon was, that it wasn't like a real picture of real people. It was like a drawn picture. And then I saw Toy Story and I was really confused cause I was like, but it's, it's not a drawn picture, but it's not a real person. And I remember going home and <laughs> being like, mom, was that real? And she was just like, yeah, they really have, like, toys that move. And I was just like, what? you're being really and sarcastic. You her. I was just like, I was re- I was like, I could tell that she was being sarcastic. And I was like, you're making me feel dumb. But turned, I also was just very confused by it.
1: She turned all of
3: her toys upside down so they couldn't <laughs> see her when she slept. She just...
0: I did not. Anyway. Just so you know, Courtney, mm-hmm. toys don't come to life. <laughs> oh. Now you tell me. Um... <laughs> Cool. Well, so what I wanted to do, what we wanted to do was talk about Toy Story. There are three existing Toy Story movies, so the fourth one due to come out um, a week from when we release this. Um, So that being said, like Pixar has been around and been prevalent in the industry for 25 years now. Um, Almost all animated movies now are computer animated movies. I think that's something that we take for granted nowadays. So I wanted to talk a little bit about the history of Pixar and what kind of led to Toy Story um, because it was the first computer-animated feature-length film. So um, Pixar, or at least the beginnings of Pixar, started in 1974. So the New York Institute of Technology founder Alexander Schur wanted to put together a group of people because he was personally interested in animation, and he was the head of this Institute of Technology and basically wanted to... um, find different applications for computers. So he put together a um, computer graphics lab at NYIT. Um, so yeah, they had the goal of creating the first computer animated film. Um, unfortunately, in 1974, computers are not what they are today or even were in the 90s. And the stra- the financial strain of trying to support this group was too much for NYIT. So they ended up, um, and the group basically taking this uh, goal of creating a feature-length computer animated film, they realized that the best way to do that was to become part of a film studio, not part of a technology institute. So, um, in the, in that uh, time period though, they invented the foundation techniques for computer graphics including um, alpha channel, which is basically the process of combining an image with a background and having some of the layers be transparent. Um, that way, you could add 2D images and layer them to create like a 3D effect, basically. Um, so, in 1979, Pixar established the graphics group. Uh, it, sorry, they were established as the graphics group um, as part of Lucasfilm. Um, so, basically, what happened was six members of the original computer graphics lab at NYIT decided that they wanted, they had talked to George Lucas. George Lucas set up this computer graphics group um and they wanted to move over there but they also didn't want to offend the nyit guy alexander sure so they ended up um like phasing out how they quit and then they each would work like odd jobs for like nine months and then eventually go to lucasfilm (laughs) so (laughs) eventually what what year was that that was in 1979 Oh, okay so eventually they all joined lucasfilm um, while there, they create the precursor to RenderMan, which is now an industry standard image rendering application. Um, they also created a CG um, technique called particle effects and then some other animation tools. Um, around 1982, the team began working on special effects sequences with um, Industrial Light and Magic. Uh, they created the G- Genesis effect in Wrath of Khan, so that was them. Um, and then they created the stained glass night in Young Sherlock Holmes, which I don't know what that is. but That is
3: the first use of CG in popular culture, is the go. stained glass night yep. um, in Young Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, so that was
0: essentially Pixar before they were Pixar. Um, around Did they this do time, any
3: special effects for Howard the Duck? Please tell <laughs> me. I don't they know. They were involved in Howard the Duck in some way. Um,
0: around this time, John Lasseter, who would go on eventually to become the director of Toy Story... Um, he was working for Disney, um, Walt Disney Feature Animation. He actually pitched The Brave Little Toaster to Disney as a computer animated film, and that got him fired.
3: So instead, they just decided to make a regular animated film that would scar children for
0: <laughs> life. I love that movie. I kind of <laughs> wish <you laughs> <knew> that. <laughs> but yeah, oh, that so that was well. John Lasseter's idea, so you can it's kind of see the beginnings of his like thought process around like how things are coming to life. Things that yeah. shouldn't be yep. <laughs> Should never be sentient. <laughs> so he got fired from Disney, and then he made his way over to uh, Lucasfilm. Uh, so around 1983, um, the computer graphics group at Lucasfilm began to suspect that George Lucas was going to sell them to, like, somebody else. Um, and they were really worried about that. Basically, George Lucas was short on funds because he had just gone through a divorce. Um, Return of the Jedi had just come out, so the franchise returns were diminishing and Lucas was short on cash, so they were like, "Oh no, he's gonna sell us. We don't know who he's gonna sell us to." Um, and he's gonna
3: make Howard the Duck. <laughs> Sorry, I just I can't talk about George Lucas in the '80s without bringing it up.
0: Well, we're gonna move away from George Lucas because uh,
2: no more Howard the Duck.
0: Um, basically, the the guys in the group they decided the best way to make sure that they. Could continue working on the things that they wanted to work on and eventually reach their goal of creating a computer animated film was to um, break away from Lucasfilm Um, so yeah they wanted to create the they wanted to create their own uh, corporation however they didn't really have the money for that Um, and it was also complicated by the fact that they knew that computers didn't like the technology wasn't there yet Um, there's this thing called Moore's Law which basically says that um, like Let's see, I have it written down here. So it says that the number of transistors in a dense integrated circuit doubles every two years. So basically they were like, it's only a matter of time before computers have the processing power to keep up with what we want to do, but we're not there yet. Um, So in the meantime, they decided that they were going to become a hardware company. So they created a hardware company that sold their Pixar image computer, and it was bought by government agencies and by scientific and medical teams. Um, around the same time, this is like,
3: so, so like when they take x-rays of people's heads and stuff, and they've got gap teeth, like all the Pixar,
0: uh,
3: (laughs) protagonists do these days. Sure. Big, big round eyes and stuff like that. (laughs) This imaging software is terrible. Uh, All
0: right. Around the same time, there was a guy named Nolan Bushnell, um, who was the head of, uh, Chuck E. Cheese's Pizza Time Theaters, commonly known as PTT. (laughs) So, <laughs> yeah so, is it commonly known <laughs> it was it was commonly known <laughs> um so he founded as part of uh ptt he founded a computer animated studio called Cadabroscope. um and it actually created Good <laughs> uh, but uh so they actually created an animated Chuck E. cheese christmas movie for nbc um, awesome. but what, the reason I'm bringing this up is because this company, they developed a technique called tweening. So basically what that means is animators would create, um, images for the film, but in order to like, cause normally in animation you have a sequence of images and basically it flips through at rapid speed, which creates the illusion of movement. Um, so basically, this group, Kadabrascope, they invented this process called tweening, which basically, in between two images, a computer would come in and basically make like a segue image in between the two images, which created the illusion of like smooth movement. Um, eventually, uh, Nolan Bushnell, so he also had like a large share in Atari and Anyway, he was really hard hit by the North American video game crash of 1983, um, so he ended up selling Kadabra Scope to Lucasfilm, and so as a result, the graphics group got that tweening technology from them.
3: Tweenies is also a great name for hot dogs marketed towards
0: 12 and 13-year-olds. Uh, you so funny. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, oh so in 19... 19- You're so funny, babe. <laughs> Um, In 1986, uh, Pixar did eventually spin out into their own corporation. Like I said, they didn't really have the money for it, so they were trying to find funding. They actually were turned down by 35 different venture capitalists and 10 different corporations. Um, Eventually, Steve Jobs, who had just been fired from Apple, um, he had just started his computer company Next. He paid $5 million to George Lucas for um, the corporation, for the group. Um, as well as for, like, technology rights to, the, to like, the Pixar imaging computer and their software. Um, and that came out of his own pocket. So, $5 million out of his own pocket to acquire the group. Um, and then he invested $5 million into the company as startup capital. Um, so, he had invested $10 million out of his own pocket for Pixar, basically. Um, the group went on to work on a computer animated movie called Monkey for a Japanese publisher. But again, they ran into issues because basically computer technology had not evolved to the point that it could keep up with what they needed. Um, So they decided to focus more on their hardware again. Um, And basically they, so they were selling the Pixar image computer. Disney actually bought one as well during this time. Um, As well as some of Pixar's software. Um, And they implemented it in their computer animation production system project. So basically that project was supposed to, You know, making uh, animated films the traditional way with, like, ink and paint and stuff, it was very laborious and very costly. Um, So Disney started this project to basically try to automate as much of that as possible. Um, So Pixar's technology and their software played a big role in that for Disney. Um, Around the same time, Jobs, uh, Steve Jobs suggested that they make the Pixar image computer available to the public. Um, John Lasseter had come with the group when they became their own corporation and he had actually been using the technology to make very, very short computer animated sequences. Um, and so he actually premiered it at the largest computer graphics industry convention, which is called SIGGRAPH. Um, it was received really well, generated a lot of buzz. Um, but that being said, the computer never really sold very well. Um, so they were focusing on their hardware, but the hardware wasn't selling, um, this put them in a really big financial crisis. Steve jobs kept like putting more cash into it in exchange for greater like shares of the company. So it went from being a mostly employee owned company to basically being owned completely by Steve jobs. Um, so yeah, eventually Steve jobs wound up investing $50 million of his own money into the company, um, which gave him control of the whole thing. Um. In 1988, Lasseter used this technology to produce a short film called Tin Toy, which fun fact, Shannon, it won the 1988 Oscar for Best Animated Short Film. It was the first computer animated film to win an Oscar. So yeah. Heck yeah. Yeah. Um, So Tin Toy was basically about like a little tin toy that comes to life. So we're seeing the beginnings of Toy Story right there. Um, This actually got Disney's attention and they tried to win him back they tried mm-hmm. to like hire him back onto disney um, and basically laster told a coworker he said i can go to disney and be a director or i can stay here and make history so he stayed at pixar and when they when disney realized that they could not lure John laster away from pixar that's when they decided we're going to try to um have, make a production deal with pixar um, so in 1989 john laster still growing his animation department and they actually start producing computer animated commercials for outside companies fun fact um, in 1990 Pixar sold its hardware division including all of its proprietary hardware and imaging software to Vicom systems um, so basically this kind of marked a transition in the company where they they'd always had this goal of creating a feature-length computer animated movie um, but basically by selling off their hardware division they were saying we are officially like that is our primary focus now um, they moved from San Rafael to Richmond California and um, and around the same time, Pixar also, Pixar also released some of its t- software tools on the open market, including RenderMan, which is now like an industry standard technology. Um, and then Typeistry, which is a 3D text renderer. Um, around this time, Pixar also had early talks about that production deal with Disney. Um, it was a very contentious environment, though. Basically, you had two Disney bigwigs. Uh, Jeffrey Katzenberg, I think. Yeah. Katzenberg and um, Peter Schneider. And basically Peter Schneider was very, very skeptical of doing an outside deal because Disney had always made its films in-house. But Katzenberg was just like so on board for John Lasseter, had a lot of faith in him. Um, And basically Katzenberg had talked with Steve Jobs about it before and Steve Jobs had been like, we don't really like Disney that much. Um, and so basically Katzenberg had this idea that if we sign this deal, I'm going to ensure that Peter Schneider, it has like no oversight over this project. Peter Schneider did not like that. So, and he kind of find, found out about it during the early talks. So it made it very contentious. Um, so Pixar kind of went out going like, Oh, they're not gonna, they're, we're not going to get this deal. But then they came back and they were like, no, we still want, we still want to do a deal with you. Come back. Let's talk about it some more. um, yeah so let's see here um originally disney wanted the rights to all of pixar's proprietary tech for making 3d animation and steve jobs was like nope that will always belong to us you can't have that um so talks were a little rough going at first um in 1991 though um they did end up striking a 26 million dollar deal to make three computer animated feature-length films including toy story um so basically the deal specified that disney would own the film and the characters outright including the right to create sequels without pixar involvement so it was a three movie deal but if toy story came out and was not a hit or whatever disney had the rights to nix the rest of the movies And because Toy Story was owned exclusively by Disney, they could, if they wanted to, make sequels without going to Pixar for them. Um, So yeah. Um, Around the same time though, oh, and in exchange for that, Pixar would keep the proprietary rights to its software and then get 12.5% of ticket sales. Um, So this was a big deal for Pixar, which was really struggling financially. Even though they had this $26 million deal though, they still continued to lose money. the same time that they made this deal, they laid off 30 of their employees. So they were down to only 40 employees total. Um, so yeah, so they started working on Toy Story. Um, originally, it was pitched as a half-hour TV special called A Tin Toy Christmas. Um, Disney kind of nixed that and said, no, we want like a full-length movie. Um, the original story treatment for Toy Story featured Tinny, who was the main character from Tin Toy, um, paired with a ventriloquist dummy. And then they had a main mm-hmm. villain whose name was Woody, um, and he was basically abusing the other toys um, until all the other toys kind of rallied against him.
3: There's an alternate watching of Toy Story. Still
0: <laughs> well, so we're gonna we're gonna talk about that. I can imagine they got uh, Tom Hanks on board, and he's like, "I will not be the villain of this story." <laughs> so okay, so before we go any further, I'm just gonna do a really quick overview of the original Toy Story and the plot, so that way contextualizes some of this conversation but basically um Toy Story follows Woody who is a cowboy doll um he his owner is Andy who is a little boy um toy Woody is kind of his favorite toy and Woody's kind of like the leader of all the other toys um but then Andy gets a new toy Buzz Lightyear and Buzz quickly becomes Andy's new favorite toy, and but Bo- Woody feels displaced, and all the other toys are listening to Buzz instead of him.
3: These he toys, these toys come to come to life as well. Yeah, I think that needs to, to be said. That Sorry. the toys come to life when the kid's not around.
0: Yeah. Um, so, just, uh, slightly important. Yeah. just wanted to throw that in there to make <laughs> sure that you. we're all on the same page. I felt like that was implied, but yeah. <laughs> um So Woody's feeling very displaced, he's feeling jealous. Um he ends up kind of knocking Buzz out of a window <laughs> at one point. Kind of. Yeah, he knocks Buzz out of a window. Um and uh super the, the other toys figure out what happened and they um they're gonna push Woody out of the window too. Then Andy and his mom are going to a restaurant called Pizza Planet and his mom tells him you can take one toy. He comes in and tries to find Buzz, can't find him so he takes Woody. Um Buzz meanwhile like hops onto the back of their minivan and confronts Woody at a gas station, and they have a fight and are left behind. Um, they hitch a ride to Pizza Planet on, like, a Pizza Planet delivery vehicle. Um, they get there. They're trying to get back with Andy, but wind up in a, um, like, one of those claw games with a bunch of little squeaky <laughs> alien toys. And then the neighbor kid, Sid, who they've seen, like, out the window, like, exploding, like, blowing toys up and stuff. He comes, and he, he plays the claw game, and he gets he gets Buzz and Woody kind of hangs on to him because he's like I have to bring you back otherwise the other toys will kill me. Um, Is it worth noting here too that Buzz doesn't
1: realize he's a toy? Yes, thank you. Yes, Buzz doesn't realize he's a toy Woody's
0: trying to explain it to him and he's not listening.
3: But he still behaves like a toy whenever Andy's around. I never understood that. Like he doesn't understand that he's a toy but then every time Andy's around Buzz stops moving.
0: Well and Buzz is like a space doll. He's like a space action figure so I think he sees all the other toys as like an alien race. So maybe he's like, I have to do what they do. When
3: in Rome type
0: of situation. Yeah, I think so. Like self-preservation. is
1: one of the best slimes. You
0: are a child's plaything! Yeah. <laughs> and then Buzz says, you are a sad, strange little man. And then he does the Vulcan <laughs> thing. Yeah, he does the Vulcan thing. Yeah, and he does the Vulcan <laughs> thing. Um, so anyway, so Sid winds up getting Buzz and Woody. He takes them back home. Um, in the course of him... "Quote unquote," playing with the toys, which is very like disturbing. He like he like use a use a magnifying glass to melt a little like divot in Woody's forehead. Um, Buzz winds up losing an arm.
3: He j- yeah. Buzz tries to fly. He sees a Buzz Lightyear toy commercial mm-hmm. on television, but he doesn't believe that he's actually a toy. He tries to fly, falls down the steps, and loses an arm. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um. So Woody's trying to get them out of there and winds up getting all of Sid's toys, which he's like. He has this thing for like cutting toys apart and then like mix mixing up the body yeah, parts one and making the, new ones. The baby head with the like with spider legs. <laughs> yeah. uh, I
3: like the Jack in the Box with a hand, with a glove that pops yeah. out of it. That's I like, like so I like
0: scary. the little pterodactyl. What
3: with is the it? Doll head? Yeah, with the
0: doll head. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, Buzz
3: does wind up strapped to a rocket, a firecracker yeah. at this point.
0: Yeah. So Sid gets a new firecracker, like a big rocket, and so he's like, "Oh, perfect! I have this space toy, so he straps him to the rocket." And he's going to blow it up. Woody, um, Buzz is, like, really depressed and doesn't want to do anything to save himself. Um, And Woody ends up hatching a plot with the other toys to basically scare Sid and show him that toys are alive and that they don't like the way that he's playing. (laughs) Um, So they traumatize Sid. And then, then, oh, Andy and his family are moving. So the other toys have been loaded up onto the back of a moving van. um, And Andy and his, like, family drive off. And they realize we have to get like we have to get to him, and they manage to get like the RC car. They light the rocket on Buzz's back so that it like propels them forward. Anyway, they wind up getting back to Andy. And he at the flies. End. And he flies. He's <laughs> so sweet.
3: Falling with style.
0: Falling with style. Yeah. Anyway,
3: um, it's only eighty minutes. Yeah. Like it's really. It's tight. It's tight.
0: Yeah. yeah. Anyway, okay, so, but originally, so it was about Tinny and a dummy. Woody was the villain. Um, Disney did not like this. And they said, no, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely not. They actually wanted it to be edgier.
3: You and your brave little toaster bullcrap, yeah. Get out of here. <laughs> so
0: they said, they said, no, this isn't working. Um, so basically, but the principle of the movie stayed the same throughout all the drafts, which is that toys deeply want children to play with them. And this desire drives their hopes, fears, and actions. Um, the second, basically Disney, Disney said that they wanted more of an odd couple buddy movie. Um, So they tweaked it and made Woody, like, not the villain. Oh, that
3: explains when Woody stabs that cigar with an umbrella and holds it up. That that explains that. (laughs) Um,
0: (laughs) Anyway, so the second treatment was a little bit more along those lines, but the lead characters were still Tinny and the dummy. Around 1992, eventually, Lasseter decided that Tinny was, like, too antiquated of a toy and kids wouldn't relate to it. Um, so they changed him to first a military action figure and then eventually they moved, they made him a spaceman. Um, originally he was called Lunar Larry. Then they changed his name to, (laughs) they changed his name to Tempest from Morph and then they changed it to Buzz Lightyear after Buzz Aldrin. Um, good gravy. (laughs) That's a lot better. Yes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Good call. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Buzz's costume was, insane. (laughs) Yeah. Buzz's costume was inspired by the Apollo astronauts with some G.I. Joe kind of mixed in. Um, And fun fun fact, his color scheme was inspired by Lasseter's wife, whose favorite colors were green and purple. Aw, sweet. Um, So the dummy eventually evolved. So originally he was kind of like, he looked sneaky and kind of menacing. And people were like, eh, this isn't working. So they eventually, um, they changed him to a cowboy doll. Um... And his look was inspired by Laster had this Casper the Friendly Ghost doll when he was a kid. And it was inspired by that. Oh. Um, and uh, they decided on a cowboy doll because they really liked the juxtaposition between like cowboy and like westerns in space. Cowboys and aliens. Um, yeah,
3: cowboys and <laughs> aliens. Um, it's interesting because I do think that the, they have the ventriloquist dummies returning for Toy Story 4 in some of the trailers. Oh, There's been a bunch of ventriloquist dummies in the antique store, it looks interesting. like. So
0: those like... are the scariest things ever. Well,
3: there was a yeah. whole Goosebumps story about how creepy <laughs> Maybe that's why I
0: think they're <laughs> scary. <Yeah. laughs> um, also around this time, so... Um, John Lasseter, Andrew Stanton, Pete Docter, and Joe Ramp were the main guys working on this movie. They kind of realized, though, that they, for as much as they liked film, didn't really have any screenwriting experience, especially with a feature-length film. Um, So they ended up bringing in Joel Cohen, Alex Sokolow, and Joss Whedon. Um, really, and Whedon, Josh Whedon's credited yeah.
3: as a screenwriter for the original Toy Story. Whedon
0: was actually the one who created Rex, the dinosaur. Wild, and uh, he actually really wanted Barbie Barbie to have a more pivotal role in the movie, which she didn't in this one. But <laughs> she didn't does in. To, oh in yeah, one. she gets,
3: she gets a, pr- a pronounced role in Toy Story two and three, three. and then three she's a really <laughs> big character. In
0: yeah. It. Yeah. Um, so 1993. <laughs> at this point, they start casting. Um, so. Woody originally so they um they considered Paul Newman but ended up going with Tom Hanks and the reason why um Laster said he has the ability to take emotions and make them appealing even if the character is down and out and despicable. Um it should be noted too at this point the plot of the movie Woody was still pretty tyrannical. He was like he was like a tyrannical ruler he over the is. toys. Damn. <laughs> um So <laughs> So yeah, um then for Buzz, they actually offered the role to Billy Crystal, who turned it down. Um, they also considered Bill Murray, Chevy Chase, and Jim Carrey.
3: That's so um, funny that it was Paul Newman and Billy Crystal, because they both went on later to do Pixar yeah. voice roles.
0: Yeah. Um, I can't
1: imagine anyone... Na- maybe it's just because I've seen it so many times. that mm-hmm. t- it,
0: None of those voices are like Tim Allen. Yeah. So. Exactly. I think they originally wanted... Because at this point, Buzz also didn't... Like, he knew he was a toy in the original treatment. Uh So, I think that they were looking for somebody who had more of a comedic background. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah. Tim Allen is much more like... He has a lot of bravado. Yeah. But also a lot of sincerity in his portrayal of Buzz. Um, But anyway, so they cast Tim Allen. Um, Fun fact, this was the first animated film roles for both Tom Hanks and Tim Allen. So, there's that. Mm -hmm. Um... The thing was, though, is that in 1993, Disney actually shut the production down. Um, the reason was, so they had brought in Tom Hanks and Tim Allen to do their voice work. And actually, while they were doing it, um, Tom Hanks was really, like, frustrated. Because he was like, my character is a huge jerk. Like, this guy's a jerk. And he just, like, wasn't super happy with that. Still um, <laughs> So, basically, they got to the, um, Pixar had gotten to the point where they had half the movie... Like, more or less ready. Um, or at least, like, the basic animation ready. And they took it to Disney. Disney looked at it and they were like, no, this is not working. We don't know why. But they shut down production. Um, so Schneider actually, um, he was like, he felt kind of vindicated. Like, see, this isn't working. And he went to um, Mike or Bob Eisner? Bob Eisner. Bob Eisner. Eisner? It was Michael Eisner. That's Michael Eisner. Michael Bob Eisner. Bob is who's in charge Bob now. Iger. Michael, Michael Eisner, Eisner. was in charge so now. So he went to Michael Eisner, who was the Disney CEO at the time, and basically urged him to just cancel the movie. Um, they didn't, because Katzenberg um, ended up kind of taking the film under the wing of uh, Disney uh, feature animation. Um but for three months, like, they were kind of in this limbo where they didn't know what was going to happen with the movie. So Andrew Stanton and Joss Whedon and some other people kind of, like, put their heads together and they completely revised the script. Um they made it so that Woody was no longer, like, a crime boss type figure over these toys. <laughs> Instead, he was, like, more of a caring leader. He has some tyrannical tendencies, especially when he starts to feel displaced. But he ultimately, like, cares about the other toys. And he's trying to help them um they also changed it so that buzz didn't realize he was a toy um so in 1994 the production was back on the cast came in and did all of their voice recording um the production was greenlit um in 1994 Pixar is working basically on a skeleton crew on this project. They only have 27 animators. Mm-hmm. Um, part of the reason why was because with production being in limbo for a little while, there was some uncertainty as to whether this was a viable investment for Disney. But also, it was primarily because Steve Jobs wanted to make it as cheaply and efficiently as possible in order to sell to other studios the idea of a computer animated film. Um, Steve
3: Jobs wanted to make something as cheaply and efficiently as possible?
0: <laughs> what? What? Um,
3: Cutting corners? What? That (laughs) being
0: said, Steve Jobs at this point had invested a lot of money into Pixar and um, Pixar was still losing money. Um, So he actually seriously considered selling Pixar at multiple points. He considered selling it to Hallmark Cards. Um, (laughs) Microsoft co-founder Paul Allen expressed some interest as did Oracle CEO Larry Ellison. Um, He finally, in late 1994... (laughs) He decided to stick with the company because New York critics who had seen like some early um, stuff from the movie were predicting that it was going to be a huge success. Um, and it was at that point that he finally decided to take an active role in the company because before then he had just kind of been supplying with supplying money and dealing with the relationship with Disney and that was it. So he actually like appointed himself CEO and was taking an active part in the company for the first time. Um, so yeah. Um, 1994 and 1995 they worked on finishing up the animation of the movie, which as I talked about, computer animation um, in film was completely new. So I want to talk a little bit about what that process looks like because I find it really, really fascinating. So like I said, they had only 27 animators. Um, Originally, they would create the characters out of clay and then kind of like scan them and try to replicate it in the system. they were either So they were either made out of clay or they were designed off a computer-drawn diagram. Um, after the model was made, um, articulation and motion controls were coded, which allowed the characters to move. Um, so basically that means like, okay, when you move Woody's elbow this way, this is what happens with the rest of his arm, basically. Because in a human body, anytime you slightly move any part of your body, it changes the position of everything else on your body. Um, so basically they coded these motion control so that way if you move Woody's elbow up here it automatically moves like the rest of his body it lowers you know the left shoulder or whatever um so yeah Woody actually was the most complex he had 723 motion controls including 212 for his face and 58 just for his mouth Um, which they thought was necessary because Tom Hanks is such an expressive actor (laughs) Um, also because he's the main character um computer animation allowed them to do things that you couldn't do with 2d animation and because they knew this was an important film being the first computer animated movie they tried to work those in as much as possible so for instance woody's yellow shirt with the red stripes that's something you can't really do with regular animation because the colors are too similar um so like if you have like wrinkles in the fabric or something it all just kind of like blends together um so with they they specifically made his color that way so that they could showcase the capabilities of computer animation um they also like the decals on buzz's suit are very like plasticky vinyl stickery looking that's something you can't really replicate in 2d animation Um, as well as like on his visor so there's that scene when he first appears in the room where he has his like visor over his head and he's looking around and you can see reflections of the room on the visor Again, something you can't do with 2D animation. Um, And then this is something I thought really interesting that I hadn't really considered, but at multiple multiple points in the movie, the toys are in Andy's room, and there are these Venetian blinds on the window, and you can see shadows from the blinds on the floor. That's also something you can't do with 2D animation, which, I mean, yeah, just like all these little things that you don't really think about. Um, So the process of the animation, it actually, each frame each shot had to go through multiple departments so the art department would give each shot its color scheme and its lighting Um, the layout department then placed the character models in the right spots Um, and basically in computer animation you have a virtual camera Um, in real filmmaking you have, have an actual camera that you have to physically place somewhere on the set to interact with your actors so in computer animation you have to set a spot for your virtual camera Computer animation is really interesting. Like, if you look at movies like the Polar Express, they have these shots that you could never replicate in Mm. real life.
3: Yeah, you shouldn't replicate
2: those in real life either.
0: No, no. I mean, like, there's a shot, for instance, where, like, in Polar Express, the bell lands on, like, a patch of ice on the ground, and the camera is on. It's, like, from the ground looking up at the kid, and then it pans back to be under the ice. That's something you couldn't do with, like, traditional filmmaking. Um, But... Because this was the first computer animated movie, Pixar specifically wanted cameras to mimic real-life filmmaking so that they could show it as a viable, like, movie-making form. Um, So the layout department would set the location of the virtual camera and program any camera movement. So pans out, pans in, like, you know, any of that. Um, And the animation department then used programs to set each character in poses and use those coded motion controls um they use software to then sync the character or sorry no never mind um so they they had the capability to automatically sync the character's mouth with the voice acting but they opted not to do that because they didn't want it to look too robotic so they actually every single frame they're matching the character's mouth to the sound that the actor is making at that precise moment which is really cool um so they had to basically for every 8 second stretch of animation it took them a week just to position the characters and code their movements. Um then the animators would add shading, lighting and any visual effects. Uh the shading team then created shader programs for each surface. So basically like fabric on the bed, they actually scanned fabric in real life and used that to apply like a shading technology to the bed. Um, to give it the illusion of actual fabric, which I think is really cool. Um, and then the lighting team would orchestrate the final lighting of the shot. So there was a lot of involved processes in there. Uh, 1995, so there was also some debate between Disney and Pixar on music in the film. Disney, around this time, in the 90s, was very big on musicals. Um, they wanted Toy Story to be a musical, and Laster was just like, no. Um, this Tom is...
3: Hanks and Tim Allen.
0: <laughs> yeah, no. he was like, this is... This is like you wanted an odd couple, like buddy movie. Singing does not fit into that. (laughs) Um, Disney really pushed back on that. Eventually, they came to a compromise, which basically said we will have songs that, um, let's see, I wrote it down here, Um, non-diegetic songs. So basically to convey and amplify what the characters were feeling without having them actually sing them. Um, So for that, Randy Newman was hired to compose the movie. Um, So he wrote songs like You've Got a Friend in Me. I actually really like the song when Buzz is like trying to fly. um, And it's like this...
3: It's called I Will Go Sailing No More. Yeah, I Will
0: Go Sailing No More. I love that song. Los
3: Globos has an amazing cover of that song if you're looking for it. It's awesome.
0: Yep. Um, Anyway, so Toy Story. Oh, there were also some last-minute cuts. Apparently, the scene where Sid is interrogating quote-unquote, interrogating Woody, like acting out an interrogation scene, um, was longer and a lot more violent and basically had him torturing Buzz and Woody. Right. <laughs> so they cut that a bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Toy Story was released November 22nd, 1995. It made $373 million worldwide, wow. which was huge, especially for the time. Um, the movie went on to, let's see here, I've got it up somewhere um yeah so they won a kid's choice award an mtv movie award British (laughs) academy film award um they received an academy special achievement award in 1996 uh for just developing the software and hardware techniques um the film was nominated for three academy awards um two just to randy newman so he um was nominated for Best Original Song for You've Got a Friend in Me and Best Music for an Original Music or Comedy Score. Um, The movie was also nominated for Best Original Screenplay. Um, So, yeah.
1: Which is the first time that it happened for an
0: animated film. Yep, exactly. Not the last. Um, Let's see. Toy Story won eight Annie Awards, including Best Animated Feature. Um, Let's see, what else? The film also won Best Individual Achievement and Technical Achievement. Uh, Toy Story was nominated for two Golden Globe Awards, including one for Best Picture, Comedy or Musical, and one for Best Original Song. Um, Let's see. It also cleaned up at the Los Angeles Film Critics Association Awards and the Kansas City Film Critics Circle Awards. Woo! (laughs) But yeah. Kansas City. So last thing I wanted to talk about before we move on to Toy Story 2 with Andrew is just um, impact of the film. So, because it was the first computer animated film, like it was, it was huge, and we can see the effects today. Like without Toy Story, you don't have any of the computer animated movies that we have now, and almost everything is computer animated now. Um, so yeah. Um, and a lot of the imagery too in that first movie, I think, is pretty iconic.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, the two characters have you know pretty iconic looks to them, but yep. you have. Um, like Andy's wallpaper in his room is that blue with the little clouds on it and that's become, uh, I don't really recognizable. Um, The, would it be the font? Like the logo for the movie too, I think, Mm
0: -hmm. comes up in a lot of parody type things. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, I will say it's it's actually had a huge effect on the tech industry as well. Um, Basically, after the success of Toy Story... Um, graphics engineers were like, we need to make better computers that can support more of this and do more of this, Um, especially because Pixar had demonstrated the ability to develop their own hardware. And so basically, like, Intel and other uh, technology creators were like, if we don't do this for them, they will just do it themselves. Um, So, yeah, also the the phrase to infinity and beyond... Uh, That's Buzz's catchphrase, and it is, like, totally classic. Um, I wanted to share this, which I thought was interesting. Um, So, To Infinity and Beyond, this is from Wikipedia, has seen usage not only on themed merchandise, but among philosophers and mathematical theorists as well. In 2008, during STS-124, which is one of the space shuttle missions, uh, astronauts took an action figure of Buzz Lightyear into space on the Discovery Space Shuttle as part of an educational experience for students while stretching, stressing the catchphrase to infinity and beyond the action figure was used for experiments in zero G
3: I've watched those videos, they're they're pretty
2: neat
0: Yeah. Um, in 2008 it was reported that a father and son had continually repeated the phrase to help them keep track of each other while treading water for 15 hours in the Atlantic Ocean uh, the phrase also occurs in Beyonce's 2008 song Single Ladies during the bridge. <laughs> uh, <Definitely>. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Yep. So that's all I've got for Toy Story. Uh, do you want to talk about Toy Story 2, Andrew?
3: Yeah. Did um,
0: we get to all sing Woody's Roundup together? <laughs> I think we should do that at the end and
1: kind of I was listening to this. Oh, I can <laughs> sing all the words to that, and it has been years since I've <laughs> seen Toy Story Two. That's
3: great. Um, Toy Story Two was originally uh, going to be a direct-to-video sequel that wasn't even going to be 3D animated. It was going to be traditionally animated, like uh, most, Dis- like all the Disney films had been up to that point. Um, they wanted to do it because of the success of direct-to-video sequels, like Return of Jafar, uh, had like a hundred and something million in, just in profits. Um, so like, not even just gross, like a million, hundred million in profits. Um, did I say a million? I meant to say a hundred million. Yeah, you did. Okay. It's a hundred million. So like, Disney execs um, had dollar signs in their eyes. They always have those, though. Um <laughs> And so that's what they wanted to do, but then as story as the story kind of went along, they realized that it could actually be like a full feature length uh, movie. So they decided to give it that treatment. Um, and so the movie, just kind of as a plot synopsis, uh, Woody. Um, I love the opening sequence of this one. It's uh the video game that Rex is playing that's Buzz Lightyear and like mm-hmm. you're watching it and like Buzz is doing all this cool spaceman stuff and then Zerg, his Kill big him. enemy, shoots him with a laser and he like disintegrates. Like his top <laughs> half disintegrates. And you <laughs> just like it's half. just like, wait, what the heck? And then it's a video game that Rex is playing and uh, cut to like Woody stressing out because Andy's going to cowboy camp and he wants and he's excited to go with him. But then right before they leave for Cowboy Camp, Andy decides to play with his toys one more time. And in doing so, accidentally rips Woody's arm. And uh, Andy decides to leave Woody at home because he's ripped and he doesn't want to risk further damage. Woody feels uh, rejected again because he's very insecure. <laughs> um,
0: and Andy's mom says something like, no, well, no toy lasts forever. And Woody's just like, oh my gosh! There is, he, I could... I could be thrown out? Yeah, he, has,
3: he has a nightmare, which the nightmare sequence of him getting thrown out by Andy was actually originally supposed to be in the first Toy Story, but it was nixed, but then brought back for the sequel. Um, and so he's worried about getting thrown away. His mom, Andy's mom comes in and decides to have a yard sale and takes a lot of toys to be sold. Woody's, While he's
0: gone, which as a parent, can I just say, smart move.
3: <laughs> <laughs> um, he finds a, uh, a penguin... With whose squeaker is broken like a squeaky penguin, but the squeaker's broken. He was original, That penguin's actually also supposed to be in the original Toy Story, but then it was nixed from the film and brought back for the sequel. Um, and so the mom goes to sell that toy, and Woody mounts a rescue mission with their new dog that they get at the end of the first Toy Story. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he mounts a rescue mission, but in doing so, winds up stuck at the garage sale and being seen by a toy collector, Al McWiggin, um, who's voiced by Wayne Knight, who is the ultimate tool um, <laughs> in anything he's ever done. He's always just a jerk, um, but he's, by all accounts, a lovely person. Um, and he sees Woody, who, and it turns out that Woody is actually uh, from a 50s cartoon series, a la How Do You Do It? It's a puppet Do- show. It's a puppet show, but it's, yeah, it's a children's show. Um, and Woody is a very rare collectible doll. Um, and, uh, Al steals him from the, uh, from the garage sale and takes him back to his, uh, high rise apartment while Buzz and the other toys decide to mount a rescue mission to try to save Woody. Um, and they have a hilarious moment where they're trying to cross the street under traffic cones and wind up causing huge (laughs) traffic problems. It's pretty great. Um, Uh, but uh, Woody discovers that he's part of this collectible uh, assortment. He meets Jesse the cowgirl, uh, Bullseye the horse, and uh, the old prospector (laughs) (laughs) Um, who's voiced by Kelsey Grammer who is also delightful in this movie. Um, And uh, they are being sold to a toy museum in Japan, but they were waiting for Woody to get there because the the museum didn't want the collection without Woody. And Woody sees all this merchandise of himself. Uh, there's a bank. There's a <laughs> a little boot that has a spring snake that can shoot it. Because there's a snake in his boot. Which is one of the things <laughs> he says. Record players. All kinds of old 50s toys. And like uh, really, really cool stuff. Uh, and then Woody has another existential crisis in this film about... Should I be played with? Because when I got played with with Andy, I got torn... But I could be adored by all these children. Pro- the prospector wants the to, co- to go to the museum, but Woody still is like, No, oh, I have an owner, I need to go back. Um and then uh Woody learns about Jesse's backstory, which for my money is the saddest part of any Pixar film, suck it up. Um and uh sorry, that was suck it, comma up, not suck it up. I was telling <laughs> up to suck it You're is wrong. what I was saying. <laughs> um we can, we can discuss that. <laughs> um, but it's uh, similar to what you were saying about the songs in Toy Story. Mm-hmm. It's There's no dialogue. It's all Sarah McLaughlin singing When She Loved Me.
0: Over like a montage. Of a montage of a little
3: girl who grows up and uh, decides to donate Jesse, even though they were best friends and all this kind of stuff. It's a crushing, mm-hmm. crushing oh, scene.
0: Can we talk really quickly about the fan theory about this?
3: Oh yeah, the fan theory <laughs> So there's Have you
0: heard this? I think so. The, the so, fan theory: I,
3: the fan theory is that uh, Emily, who was Jesse's former owner, is Andy's mom, which is why Andy has the cowboy hat, which is actually Jesse's hat, not Woody's hat. Yeah, because um, we
0: see yeah. Emily wearing Jesse's hat. Yeah.
3: And the hat that Andy has in the first movie is Jesse's hat, mm-hmm. not Woody's hat. So the theory is that Emily is Andy's mom. She had the Jesse doll and then gave her away. I can't
1: think about that
3: too hard. <laughs> um, and and so uh, Jesse tells a story of how she used to have an owner just like Woody did, and they did everything together. But then uh, Emily Jesse's owner gave her away, and mm-hmm. she was crushed, and she has a lot of uh, insecurity, self esteem issues. She also has around trauma that.
0: around being in storage, like in yes, the dark.
3: Yes, there's that as well, um, and so it makes Woody understand that. You know, as much as he loves being with Andy, that's not going to last forever. So he then decides to go with them to the Toy Museum in Japan instead of leaving and going back to Andy. The other toys uh, go to Al's Toy Barn because they figure out that the Al who stole him is the owner of Al's Toy Barn, um, who dresses in a giant chicken suit, um, which is pretty great. Um, And they go to Al's Toy Barn to try to find where Woody is Uh, They run into Barbie, who is in the (laughs) tour guide Barbie, who takes him on a tour of all the aisles. They go go to a Buzz Lightyear aisle, where they meet another Buzz Lightyear. Um, Now
0: with the new utility belt. He has a new utility belt,
3: but that Buzz also doesn't understand that he's a toy. (laughs) And he winds up tying the real Buzz, Andy's Buzz, up. And then he puts himself into the group, and he's back to what Buzz was in the first movie. Um, not realizing he's a toy, um, and so he takes Andy's Buzz's place in the group for a while, and they don't—they don't really realize it either, which is kind of strange to me. Like, they—they—they're like, they, okay. like, "Well, that Buzz aisle went to his head," <laughs> <laughs> and they—they um, uh, they see uh, Al goes back to his the toy store, um, and he's talking to the Japanese collectors. The toys go back with Al to his apartment to try to rescue Woody. They find that Woody doesn't want to go. Um, he's decided to go to Japan, so they go to leave. But then um, there's a uh, Woody tur- plays the cartoon or the puppet show, and at the end of it is playing "You Got a Friend in Me," which reminds him of Buzz, and he decides that he wants to take all the pro- all of the Woody's Roundup toys back with him to go play with Andy Um, because that's what's most important about being a toy not um, not sitting in glass and all this kind of stuff so they decide to um, go back but it turns out that the prospector who supposedly never left his box has lost his marbles (laughs) and is threatening Woody and all this kind of stuff And so he locks the other toys away and uh, Al comes back and they're going to the airport to go to Japan Uh, the other toys give chase Um, The whole thing climaxes on an airplane that uh, they're trying to bust all the toys out. Um, I think my favorite line in that is uh, they're fighting the prospector within the luggage uh, stuff in the airport where they're sorting all the luggage. And then they strap the prospector into a little girl's backpack
2: (laughs) <laughs>
3: and she's all, look, Mommy, a big, ugly man doll.
0: <laughs> Ooh, I'm going to give him a makeover. <laughs> and, like, the
3: Barbie that's attached to hers has all this, like, drawing on her face and stuff. Um, she's
0: an artist. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and so Woody takes Jesse and Bullseye back. They Buzz helps rescue them from the plane. Um, and they go back to Andy's house and wait for him to get back from cowboy camp. And now he's got Jesse and Bullseye as well. Um, also, Buzz Buzz, Buzz also a falls in love Jesse. with Jesse. Um, Do we forget Zerg yeah. in there? Somewhere? Oh, that's right. Also, yeah. oh, there's a Zerg toy that chases them. <laughs> and the Buzz that has the utility belt finds out that Zuri is his father. And they Very decide cool. to... <laughs> in like decides, a great Star Wars parody. In a great Star Wars parody. Um,
1: oh, recently, <laughs> uh, also on Slash Podcast, one of the hosts is saying... He doesn't want his kids to know about that spoiler from Empire Strikes Back until they're able to actually see it. And someone wrote in and was like, you cannot have them watch Toy Story 2 because it spoils it. Um, anyway.
3: So, uh, yeah, they get, and, and they're all happy, one big happy family um, together at the end there. Um, yeah, Buzz is in love with Jesse. Um, so cute. Which so is cute. cute. And then it has this thing that Pixar used to do. Uh, but they don't do anymore, which I'm a little bit sad about, but I understand why they don't. The end credits has bloopers, quote-unquote bloopers. I um, miss those Which sessions. I kind of miss. Like, there's a lot of, like, one of my favorite jokes is that Kelsey Grammer's character has two Barbies in his box that he's, like, hitting <laughs> on like stuff I can like, definitely like. help
0: you get a roll on Toy Story, <laughs> Which, um, actually, that joke has not aged very well. It <laughs> doesn't age very well,
3: but I remember thinking it was really funny as a kid. Um,
1: they also had the Barbie at the end, though. And she's like, are they all gone?
0: Are they yes. all gone? Which, oh, my cheeks do, you know, do you know who voices her?
3: It's, uh, it's Jodie Benson. The voice, oh, yes. the voice of Ariel. And, uh, yeah, she does all the Barbie voices. She yeah. yeah, she then voices the Barbie that's in Toy Story 3 as well. Uh, um, it's the same
0: Barbie.
3: No, it's not. You're Tor- right, it's not. Never mind. Yeah, tour guide Barbie stays at the Toy Store. You're right. But um, all the Barbies have the same voice. Story. Yes. Um the 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 most interesting thing about this movie is that it almost got completely deleted, um, a year before it came out, and you may have heard this on the internet and stuff like that. But what happened was they were uh, the animators were uh, working on the film in the winter of 1998, came out November 1999, and so just about just like less than a year before the movie came out. Uh, somebody, an unnamed Pixar employee, I couldn't find out who actually did it. (laughs) Nobody will name them. Um, They were using a Linux system, which means you have to type in all your commands. It's not like a graphical interface like you have on most Windows and Mac computers. You have to type in all your commands. And while doing a routine memory storage wipe, one of the employees started wiping all the assets um, for Toy Story 2. So animators were working on it, and then suddenly Woody's hat disappeared, and then his boots disappeared, and then Woody disappeared, uh, because all these pieces were in individual files that were slowly being deleted. Uh, the the technical director um, saw that this was happening, called down to the server, and told them to unplug the server immediately, uh, and by the time they finally got the server unplugged, they had lost 90% of the movie up to that point, and 90% of the assets. They were freaking out. Um, and they went to the supervising technical director, and uh, they were having a meeting with Pixar, um, with Pixar execs. They went to Steve Jobs and said, we need, probably need to push the movie back. And he said, you can't, because there were already, like, merchandising and brand deals that were being struck with, like, you know, Disney. Happy Meal toys and merchandise and all that kind of stuff. So, like, you can't, you could can not put that on hold. Yeah. And so uh, what happened was the supervising technical director had just had a baby earlier that year and she was take- and she took the movie home to work on from home on her computer. Mm-hmm. And so she and the technical director drove back to her house, found the movie on her computer, and then they strapped it into the backseat of their car with, with, of her car with pillows and all this <laughs> stuff. They drove like so 10 much. miles an hour back to Pixar. They say that they walked in... They'd walk the computer in like an Egyptian pharaoh. There were like a bunch <laughs> of them walking it in. They very carefully plugged it back in, brought it up, and they had saved what they had lost. That's so, crazy. Yeah. Their, their backups had failed as well. I forgot to mention that. They called their IT department like, hey... Oh uh, let's get our backups. And they said they haven't been working for the past months. And this is what, failing. like
1: the, fir- the third CGI movie ever. That yes. <laughs> and bound to and the other
3: the other thing about like with Toy Story, a majority of Toy Story two since most of the animators were working on a Bug's Life for most of the production. Most of the animators from Toy Story two were actually from the video game the video game animators who worked on video uh, Toy Story video games for the PC. And they brought those animators over because they had just about as much experience working with 3D models as the original animators. So uh, they, <laughs> they were all freaking out, and everybody was. But then this, this uh, supervising technical director just so happened to take it home so she could work on it from home with her newborn and uh, saved the entire <laughs> film.
0: It pays to let working moms work from home. Yeah. I was going to
3: say. <laughs> you should also back up your files and make sure that you know your backups are working. <laughs> it's also a very important thing. Um, and, yeah, so the movie, for uh, for my money, and I know that I'm going to get a lot of heat for this, uh, is the best Pixar sequel. Um, I think it's... I actually like it better than the original Toy Story. Um I like it better than <laughs> Toy Story three as well. Shannon um, has thoughts. Yes, I know. I have thoughts. I know it's a hot take. I understand. Um,
1: all three of these are good, but though. they're great. But
3: they're great films. That's that's yeah. just it. Is it's just they're like it's one of the few movies that has that has a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, I say few, but I went and actually looked at the list. There's a lot, but a lot of them are independent films. They don't usually get more Ten than reviews. twenty or thirty reviews. There are a few that have received um, more than a hundred. Um, Toy Story also has 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, but only has 83 reviews. Toy Story 2 has 166 um, at, a, at 100%. Um, so uh, let us let me see here. There was also um, they received uh, seven Annie Awards. Um, Pixar won a bunch of stuff. Randy Newman won a bunch of stuff. Um, Joan Cusack won the Outstanding Individual Achievement for Voice Acting by a Female Performer in an Animated Feature Production. Um... A lot of
1: qualifiers on that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm trying to... Uh,
3: the, that wasn't, that wasn't These any... These other
1: awards don't count. <laughs> well, it was only it was
3: right only right <laughs> not yeah. that
1: they don't, but Courtney brought up Golden Globes, and I'm like, that's not a real award. <laughs> <up> <laughs> Golden Globes <laughs> are a real war. No, they're not. They are
3: uh. not. Um... It was only nominated for one Academy Award, Best Original Song, uh, for Randy Newman for "When She Loved Me." Um, it didn't. It lost to "She'll Be in You'll Be in My Heart" by Phil Collins from Tarzan. So Disney was kind of competing with itself. Um, but that was the only Academy Award that Toy Story 2 was nominated for.
1: So we're going to be doing Disney song bracket, right? I think those two need yeah. to be against each other.
3: <laughs> uh, I know which one I would pick. Uh,
1: the Tarzan one
0: very good. I don't like I Phil Collins very much. Not, I'm really
3: a hot take machine on this one because I don't really like Phil Collins that much. Um, so I'm not okay, a big but fan Phil of the Phil Collins
0: aside, like Glenn Close sings at least the beginning of it. It's a good song. Should have given
1: her the Oscar yeah. <laughs> for writing that song. Give Glenn Close the Oscar! The only Oscar. time she's going to
3: get a
1: freaking Oscar. <laughs>
3: uh. Um, when
1: She Loved Me, though, is, like, as far as, I was saying, as far as ballads go in Disney movies, I think that's the strongest one. It really packs a punch. Well, and I and I was
3: that's thinking so about sad. it because I knew that you were going to come at me with Up saying <laughs> that that was a better sequence. Up a more is emotional my scene.
1: favorite Pixar movie. We <clears> have a Pixar bracket episode. Yes. You can listen to my defense of <laughs> Up. <And here's laughs> it the is thing. my absolute favorite. Uh,
3: Up is fantastic. <laughs> I don't want to take away from Up and that, that beginning sequence where they're kids and then, you know, you know, it's their whole relationship. It's, it's amazing. It's a hallmark of film, I think. For my money, the Toy Story <laughs> 2 sequence is more heartbreaking, and I'll tell you why. I saw it when I was 11 years old in the theater. I was about the age when toys start kind of like, you're, you're kind of growing up away from your toys. And I had actually experienced losing a toy and all that kind of stuff. And so for me as an 11-year-old, it like <clears throat> emotionally resonated with me. I saw Up when I was 21. Um, I hadn't experienced a lot of the things that happen in Up that are so emotional. I can still <laughs> empathize with them, but it didn't speak to me on a personal level the same way that Toy Story 2 did when I was 11. That's the only reason is I that mean, it like it's it's you can call me nostalgia based and all that kind of <laughs> all that kind of stuff. But for me, I remember being like in the theater getting wrecked by Toy Story 2 and Up being like that's really sad and this is really great filmmaking, but not having the same kind of like. I've been there. I I know those feels type of thing that Toy Story 2 did.
1: I want to argue that the end of Toy Story 3 is better. So should I do Toy Story Story 3? Yes, please do. (laughs) Okay. feel like i got to (laughs) get to it and then I'll argue in defense of it. Um, Yeah, so Toy Story 3. um, Toy Story 2 was in 99. Toy Story 3 was in 2010. So we have a big 11-year gap um, in between these two. Um and the fourth one now is coming out nine years later again, so big gaps in between these. Um the third one's directed by Lee Onkrick.
2: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: Uh who was one of the original people who worked on yeah. Toy Story. Yeah. an editor of the first two and co-director on Toy Story Two. So he takes over for this one. Um yeah, so as far as the plot goes. <laughs> um We, I had forgotten, it's been a while since I've seen it, um, at the beginning there's like a cute sequence of Mr. Potato Head has stolen some money or something, there's like this train heist thing going on, um, and it turns out that it's just Andy playing in his room with all of his toys, and it's kind of a precursor to Lego movie or something, (laughs) uh, it's really cute. Um, but anyway, then we get all of these home movies of Andy, like, playing with his toys the first time, you know. He gets Woody and birthday parties and all of these things with him growing up. Um, And then we get to when now Andy's 17 years old. He's just graduated. Actually, they say he's 17, but shouldn't
0: he be 18? I was 17 when I graduated from high school. Okay.
1: He just graduated from high school. Um, And he's about to head out for college. Um, And the toys are, like, really aware of this. Um, They're like, he's going to leave any day now, and it's our last chance to get played with. And he hasn't played with his toys in years. Um... There's part of the beginning where the toys, um, they steal Andy's cell phone <laughs> trying to get him to, like, look at the toys and play with him as he's trying to find his phone. Um, and it doesn't really work. He picks up Rex and then kind of tosses him in the uh, toy chest and shuts it. And so all the toys are worried, like, what's going to happen to them now that Andy has grown up? Um, the little green army men um, like hop out the window and parachute out and give this whole thing about, you know, as far as toys go, we're the first ones to be thrown in the trash, and so we're going to get out of here before that happens to us.
3: Sarge, voiced by Arlie Ermey, who plays this drill sergeant in Full Metal Jacket and nice. plays every single <laughs> military man before he passed away tragically. Well, not, I mean, he was fairly old. But it rip Arlie Ermey.
2: Yeah. Uh,
1: um, so, this kind of makes all the other toys worried about what's going to happen to them, um, if they're going to get thrown out or get put in the attic, what will happen. Um, so, Andy's mom comes in, and who is voiced by Lori Metcalf for all three mm-hmm. movies, and mm-hmm. this just solidifies her as the best movie mom ever. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> She's just pretty say good. It now. Um, but, so Andy's mom comes in and tells Andy, you know, you need to go through your toys. What are you going to do with him? And Andy and says, I don't play with him anymore. They're just a bunch of junk or whatever.
3: Isn't Andy voiced by the same kid who voiced Andy in the original as well? Like, I think they brought him back. It would make back.
1: logical sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure.
3: But it's been,
1: to... like, that amount of time that's passed, though. So that actor would be mm-hmm. a teenager now.
3: Yeah.
1: Um, but the mom says, you know, you need to put your toys in the attic or the daycare is always looking for donations so you can put them in there. Um, so Andy reluctantly ends up, um, he grabs a trash bag and is like putting toys in it. Um, he, he throws most of them in there and then he picks up Buzz and Woody and he's kind of looking at them both, his two favorite toys. And he throws Woody in a box that's labeled college to take with him to college. Is it the same boy? It is the same boy. Yay. Anyway. Oh, that's cute. Um, he throws Buzz into the garbage bag. And then he kind of I don't, takes it um, and then starts heading toward the attic. So Woody's watching this happen. He's like, oh, good. They're going in the attic and not just being thrown away. But um, so the little sister, now I can't, is it Molly? Molly. Yeah um is also now like a preteen, um so the mom also told her you need to donate some stuff so she's throwing some things into the box for the daycare including barbie um and so as andy's going up to the attic he realizes the sister needs help so he sits down the trash bag helps his sister up to the car with that box of donated toys Um, and the mom kind of walks by sees the garbage and thinks it's trash and so starts to take it out to the curb um, so Woody's obviously really concerned It runs out and is trying to make sure they don't get thrown into the trash. Um, it's, like, collection day, and so, um, using Rex's tail, and <laughs> the toys, like, cut themselves out of the trash bag and get out, but now they've all thought that Andy, like, actually tried to throw them away and doesn't care about him anymore. Um, so they see the box for, to donate to daycare, and so... Uh, Jesse says, oh, we should all hop in there. This is a great idea. Now we'll have kids to play with us again. Um, and Woody sees him. And Woody, who has, I guess for the other two movies, been super paranoid about Andy not loving him anymore, is like, no, Andy loves us. We're Andy's toys. We need to be there for him always, even though he's older. Um, so he's still trying to convince the toys, like, not to go to the daycare. But in the midst of, like, they're arguing, the mom gets in the car, drives off. And so now they're all going to Sunnyside Daycare. Um, so they end up at the daycare. The toys are really excited because, like, as they come in, they see all these kids, like, playing super nicely with these toys. And there's a ton of kids. And they're like, oh, we'll actually get played with again for the first time in years. Um, there's a group of toys when the kids go outside that, like, come to welcome them. Them in, including Lotso Bear. Lotso, hugging bear. He yeah, smells like strawberries. He smells like strawberries.
3: Voiced <laughs> <He laughs> <smells laughs> by Warren Beatty. Yes. Fantastic. Who's oh, awesome. Oh, he's so great.
1: Um, and one of the other toys is Ken, and of course Barbie and Ken fall like immediately <laughs> in love. Ken, voiced
3: by Michael Keaton, yeah, another an amazing <laughs> performance. And
1: he's got like a little ascot. And yeah. All, I don't know, fashion forward. Um. <laughs> So, uh, they they say, oh, you know, you'll love doing this. Like, there are always new cycles of kids coming through. You'll always be played with. And so, they go and they say, this is the room you'll be in, which is the caterpillar Room. So, they take him in there. Um, and Woody keeps, again, telling him, like, we need to get back to Andy. We're Andy's toys. We need to go. And so, um, Andy, like, tries to get out. Um, he ends up Sorry, being... Woody tries to get out? Yes, yeah. of the daycare. Is that not what I said? You he said did.
3: Andy. He said Andy. <laughs> Andy's not there. <laughs> Andy's, He's a human. Andy doesn't need to break. Andy doesn't Wait. need to break out of his daycare.
1: <laughs> so Woody tries to break out, um, and he ends movie. up. <laughs>
3: It'd be the Great Escape. <laughs>
1: Gosh. Woody ends up. Um, he kind of gets his. String like stuck in a tree and lands like Mission Impossible or something (laughs) Um and one of the girls That's in daycare Bonnie Picks him up puts him in her backpack and takes him home So that's what happened to Woody The other toys again are still like really excited About all the kids coming um, but when they come back from lunch, the kids in the caterpillar room are what, like two, three? three two like or three. A lot yeah. younger, and so they're instantly like putting the glitter on the toys, yeah, eating other Je- toys, Jesse putting gets them in their hair, nose. Jesse
3: gets her hair dipped in paint, which is yeah. the, which is Scooing my around. my biggest. I'm just like, oh no. <laughs>
1: So they're all, yeah, The Mr. Potato Head has an eye go the a kid's nose, and they're like... Rex yeah.
3: gets his tail pulled off. One of, I think my favorite sequence in that whole thing is Buzz, like, lays down, and he's got his visor down, and then as soon as the kids burst into the room, his visor goes, wunk! <laughs> and they're like, licking
0: his visor. They have and, that um, great shot from behind his visor, of the tongue just going, aww! Yeah. Oh. <laughs> That's so
1: disgusting. <laughs>
0: um...
1: So they think, oh, there's been some mistake. We should be with these really, like, older kids that play nicely with their toys. Um, We're not age appropriate. Yes, we're not age appropriate. Um, And so Buzz, um, like, gets out of that room back into the butterfly room thinking, oh, we'll just tell Lotso we're in the wrong spot and it'll all get worked out. Um, And it... They come to find out like the other toys had purposefully done this because no toy wants to be in with all the toddlers getting eaten and chewed on. Um, and so they they first and the other toys have like what, like a crap, a, a game of craps or something. Yeah. Kind of they're going play, they're on play, it's basically the it's basically
3: roulette, but they have one yeah. of those speaking spells yeah, that they pull the, and they yeah. bet where it's gonna land. <laughs> Whoopi Goldberg is the voice of the octopus who winds up winning, and she grabs all the. I forgot about
1: that until watching again. (laughs) Oh, they're so good. Anyway, um, so Buzz like figures out they've tricked him, um, but they tell Buzz, "Oh, like you know, you really took initiative to come and talk to us, so you can come with us." And he says, "Well, great, my friends want to go too." And they say, "Well, no, someone has to stay behind for all the toddlers," and so Buzz says he won't leave his friends, and so they end up tying Buzz up um and there's this like glowworm bookworm toy that goes through all the books I, I by, totally had when I was a kid.
3: Yeah. Vo- voiced by Richard Kind, who is also uh Bing Bong in yeah. Inside Out.
1: Oh. Um they find the Buzz Lightyear instruction manual and so they reset him to demo mode. So now he's like like in the first movie where Buzz doesn't realize he's a toy <laughs> and he's back to being just Space Ranger Buzz. Um and yeah, so they Buzz now becomes like the one who's keeping all the other toys in line. And at night they, and they keep like them, lock them in the bucket. yeah, <laughs> in like little storage bins, and so they can't get out. Um,
3: Potato Head has to spend the day in the sand or the night in the sandbox. <laughs> the <That's right>.
1: sandbox, <laughs> <laughs> which is yeah, really gross. Um, <laughs> Barbie also, who's been infatuated with Ken, realizes that Ken was part of this, and so she's also imprisoned because she doesn't want to be with him anymore. Um, <laughs> they go, so then it goes back to where Woody is at Bonnie's house, um, and Bonnie's like this super cute little girl. She also has a Totoro doll, which makes me super <laughs> excited. Um, but and she's got like a little porcupine who's like a British it's Timothy, Dalton.
0: Yeah. It's Timothy Dalton. Timothy <laughs> Dalton, so cute. Um, and Anyways, then the she's... Triceratops Trixie is Kirsten Shaw, yeah, and the, and... who's uh, Louise in Bob's Burgers. And so that's
3: the doll is Bonnie Hunt doing yeah. another yeah. car. they doing another Pixar voice yep. acting role.
1: <laughs> um. So yeah. Anyway, um, he's playing with all the toys and um, or his part. Like Bonnie's really cute and imaginative, and so he's having fun, but. Again, he like, wants to go back with Andy, and so those toys kind of help him. Uh, they get on the computer and try to find Andy's house and see if he can get back. Um, but then they figure out, so he's just trying to make back. He mentions, oh, well, all the other toys have ended up at Sunnyside. And they said, how did they survive? And then Woody realizes what's happened to the other toys, where all these little like toddlers are playing with them, and they're not going to last very long there. Um, so they say. <laughs> so Bonnie has this other toy, Chuckles the clown, um, <laughs> and I hate clowns, but it's a cute, <laughs> cute that, little pudgy little clown with little red hair. That's that's <laughs> another
3: that's another great like flashback scene in the yeah. in the yeah. storied history of Toy Story having amazing flashback scenes. This is another wow. great one.
1: Yeah, so he talks about, he was once owned by a little girl named Daisy, um, and it was he and Lotso, and I have mentioned they have this big baby, <laughs> <It's> this <laughs> toy, um, big Is baby, His also been, yeah. Forcer, yeah. becomes super creepy. <laughs> Um, But the three of them used to belong to Daisy, uh, but of the three, like, she loved Lotso the most and would bring these toys everywhere. Um, And one day, they were on a trip, and the family stopped at a rest stop, um, and as she was out playing, once she fell asleep, her parents took her back to the car and didn't take the toys. Um, So they, like, through great peril, what I imagine was, like, a uh, Homer-bound or something, yeah. <laughs> like, these toys try to, like, get back home, but once they do, um, they see that the parents replaced Lotso with another Lotso bear, um, and so he feels like, oh, she never loved us, she was just ready to replace us, and so he kind of, like, tells the other two, she didn't love you at all. And so um, they end up like going through the rain and they end up at Sunnyside where Lotso has since like taken over and rolls it with, I don't know, a fluffy paw. Um, (laughs) Fluffy
0: iron paw. Yes.
1: (laughs) Um, So Woody says, okay, well now I need to get all of my friends out of there. So um, one day he goes back to Sunnyside in Bonnie's backpack um, and gets out so that he can help the other toys escape. Um, I think of them what happens.
3: He's helped by that telephone. Ooh, the old tiny the telephone. <laughs> yeah. Um, Which we have. Well, yeah, we have that toy.
2: <laughs> For our
1: kids. And, yeah, the to- the phone tells them. They kind of figure out a plan. He says the biggest thing is they have the, this creepy monkey with little symbols. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah, is watching. That the watching, surveillance yeah, cameras. The surveillance cameras <laughs> and sees, um like we'll see any toy that's tried to escape in the past so they say you need to get the monkey if you're gonna really try to get out um so they do like tie up the monkey with tape (laughs) um and let's see they figure out how well barbie is the one who then goes back to ken and tries on all the outfits in his ken dream house um and she kind of Tricks it, ties him up, and is starting to rip his clothes, trying to get him to say what they did to Buzz so they can turn Buzz back. Um, they do, but they put Buzz in Spanish mode, <laughs> which is so great. Um, and especially Spanish he's buzz. loved Jesse this whole time, like they keep hinting at it, but now he is like, <laughs> because he's Spanish, I guess, is like this romantic type who is now like dancing around her and trying to win her With the rose in his mouth,
3: it's so great, it's, it's so good.
1: Um, yeah, they hatch this whole other plant. I don't, it's probably too complicated to get into, but you have, like, Mr. Potato Head ends, ends up, and he goes back to this sandbox, but, like, he has all of his parts, and they throw out a tortilla, so now all of his little body parts are, like, the all body the is a tortilla, trying to, like, get them out from the outside. Um, the other toys, yeah, they're they're all trying to get out. I think their trick is to, like... End up in the dumpster, so then they just crawl out of it, right? It is. It is very
3: great escape ish. Yeah, <laughs> in in that sense that there's a lot of stuff going on uh, that they they're trying to escape from this prison camp essentially. Yep.
1: Nope. Yeah. Um. So yeah, they get out through the dumpster, but I guess instead of.
0: Yes, they're trying to get out through the trash chute, but they don't want to get thrown out in the dumpster. There we go. But the Lotso shows up and mm-hmm. kicks him back into it. Yeah, he pushes like them into there. the dumpster. Mm-hmm. Um, but they pull him down. With, or no, they tell Big Baby that. That Daisy didn't actually replace and him. And he has a little tag he, And he still Daisy. loves Daisy. Yes. And so, and so Daisy sm- gets mad at S- Lotso.
3: Lotso S- smashes the Daisy tag. That's right. He sm- and then the baby gets I'm mad at And, and Big
0: horrible. Baby is so sad because he's like, he doesn't talk. And he just has little baby noises. <laughs> and he's just like, mama, mama. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh no. He reminds me of my For baby. For Big Baby.
1: <laughs> um, so they all end up at the dump. Um, and they've got, I don't know, like a bulldozer thing kind of sweeps them up into the,
0: I, the track
1: that's like either gonna yes. chop them up or like send them to the incinerator. Um, is there anything... Else? So, we just end up with the part where they're, like, heading toward the incinerator, which yeah. is the saddest scene in any Disney movie ever, I they Like, argue.
0: watching their impending doom, and there's nothing that they can and do. And they like, all, like, grab them. each other's hands,
1: and we're, like, thinking they're gonna die, and I just start crying, and, um... They all think they're going to end up there, but the little alien creatures from the oh, first one aliens. from Pizza Planet, when they got to the dump, they see, um, what tool is that? That like, there's a claw. It's, a claw. it's, a claw. Thing, it's yeah. the claw. And so the, they're the like, the claw, like, just like the first one. And so, they, um.
3: The, when they're at the dump, I think they see the claw and they start walking towards yeah. it and then get hit by a. Dump truck. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, oh no. So
1: before all the other toys end up in the incinerator, the aliens come through and swoop them up with the claw. Um and the whole time throughout all the movies they've always said like you have saved us we are eternally grateful. Um and Mr and Mrs Potato Head then say you have saved our lives we are eternally that's, grateful. That yeah that's
3: from the second <laughs> a movie. Cute little callback. That's in <laughs> the second movie they steal a Pizza Planet truck to go to the airport. Yeah. And there's three of those aliens and oh, in the Pizza Planet truck they drive and. They go flying out the window, but Mr. Potato Head saves mm-hmm. him, pulls him back in, and then they say, you saved our lives. And then, and then they follow the him Mrs. back Potato to Andy. And though. Yeah, they yeah. follow, they follow <laughs> him back to Andy's house, and Probably he's like, you them saved them. their lives, <laughs> let's adopt. And yeah, so...
1: Um, oh, I guess Lotso had a chance. He tried to get out to hit this, like, emergency stop button, but he tripped the toys again and runs off. But he ends up... Like, he gets outside of the incinerator part, but um, a like garbage truck ends up picking him up and they're like, oh, I have this toy as a kid. It smells like tr- strawberries. And the truck, like, straps him to the
0: front grill of the truck. Um, With some other toys. Yeah, so, and they're
1: like, "He better close your mouth. Because <laughs> oh, <laughs> so they're just going to get a bunch of bugs in their face.
0: Really quickly, before we move on, I wanted to mention, too, that, so, in this movie, there is a garbage man outside of, like, Woody, like, Andy's house. Yeah. And he's wearing the same shirt that Sid wore as a kid. So, do they think it's it Sid? Sid. So, uh... And both of them are voiced by Eric Von Dutton. Ah!
1: So, I yeah. forgot it was Eric Von Denton. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so. The Sid, heartthrob of Princess Diaries. <laughs> he was. The, the, oh, the
3: fan theory is that Sid became a garbage man so he could rescue toys from the garbage trucks. Because oh. he knows that He was a
1: reformed. Because <laughs> he
3: knows he knows that they're sentient, so he became a garbage man and he rescues the toys from the
1: garbage The fan <laughs> theories are really intense. They're really intense <laughs> in the Toy Story. Um, but let's see. So, they. Yeah, don't they just end up back at the house now? I'm trying to remember how exactly they get back. They, oh, through the st- garbage truck. Yeah,
0: they. St- I think, don't they steal a garbage truck? Or do I they think they, they, they just ride. see they just the kid again, Sid, right. then
1: I guess, um, and realize that's the one that will pass their house. Um, and so, yeah, he ends up there. Um, Woody or er, Now, Andy, I'm going to keep getting the two mixed up. They're one <laughs> and the same. Um, Andy has all of his stuff boxed up to go to college, and so they've made it just in time. Um. All the, they hop in there, and the other or Woody's gonna go with them, and he thinks. Um, now I'm trying to think. The other well, toys so, will go back to the attic. They so, kind yeah, of accepted.
3: There's yeah. So so Woody is gonna go to college with Andy, but then he sees all the toys in the box that's gonna go to the attic, and he jumps out and writes a note. Yeah. That says that we later find out you should give these toys to Bonnie. Essentially.
0: Yeah, I think it thinks that. I think it just has Bonnie's name and address on it. Yeah. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah.
3: We don't actually see the note.
0: We do. No.
3: No. We don't? No. No. But
0: Andy
1: sees the box and probably. So now I'm right. He sees the box, kind of sees the note on it, and he tells his mom, like, oh, you really think I should donate these? Um and so then he goes and like follows the address probably thinking it's Sunny Side but ends up at Bonnie's house right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's outside playing with all of her other toys and he gets out and and he says, "Oh, we are Bonnie. Like I'm leaving and I've got all these toys and I really need someone to take care of them for me." Um, and so, <laughs> it's gonna make me cry just thinking about it. <laughs> this morning I just sobbed through that whole scene. Um. But he like goes through each toy. And, and he's like introducing them to her. Yeah, I'm not gonna be able to do it. Um, yeah, like, oh, here's Jesse, she yodels and it, kind of explains him and it's like, Oh, he did really love all his toys. I'm gonna cry. <laughs> and he plays um, with them with her one last time. Yeah. Um, I'm not gonna I am crying, I'm sorry. This <laughs> this one seriously, I looked at myself after my eyes were just red. <laughs> I'm like, Wow. I didn't realize that got me so bad. Um but anyway, he's kind of playing with her and Bonnie. So he's pulled out all the toys he planned to put in the attic, and Bonnie kind of looks in the box and says, "Oh my cowboy!" Um, and Woody has <laughs> also gotten in <into> the box. <laughs> um, someone else should finish it because <laughs> I'm crying. Um, no, they.
0: Woody also got in so he could be Bonnie's toy. Um, and at first, Andy's like not going to give it to away. her. Yeah. And then she kind of has this look on her face like, what are are you doing? And then he's like, okay, Woody's like the most special one of all of them. And he gives gives them to her.
1: Courtney's tearing up too. So it's less
0: stupid. (laughs) but still tough. (laughs) (sighs) Um,
1: Yeah, and they're both kind of like playing with the toys. And it ends like it goes kind of back up into the sky, which just looks like Andy's wallpaper, just like the first one started. Um, Oh, and I guess, like, Andy eventually leaves and pulls away, and Woody says, so long, partner. Yeah. And that's
0: it. Because I'm just going
3: to cry. And then the Toy Story saga wound up for good. Oh, Yeah. Oh,
2: Oh, We should also say
0: that Woody's girlfriend in the first and second movie is Bo Peep. And uh, in the third movie, she's not there, and they're like, oh, yeah, we've lost lost a lot of toys over the years. And they don't say how they lost her, but, like, even Bo... And what he's all about and she's around. just
3: hanging out with Keanu Reeves. Apparently. So
0: yeah. So that's what I'll Toy Story try be about. not to cry here, but, but so to
1: debate you,
2: <laughs> <laughs> this
1: movie came out in 2010, which is just like a year after I got, I went to college, mm-hmm. um, and so right. seeing that movie, it was still really fresh. <laughs> like, oh, and there's this part where the mom like kind of looks at his empty room and. It's like, oh, that's how my mom liked She dropped <laughs> me off for college. Um, so, yeah, the whole thing, obviously, now, it just even still makes me cry. That Yeah, for me, that was, like, the perfect timing for that movie to come out. And just, yeah. Um, as far as since everyone else has gone over the accolades of these movies. <laughs> um, this one, so, after the whole Dark Knight not getting a best picture nomination. They expanded the Oscars to be 10 best pictures. Um, so this is the second animated film ever to be nominated for best picture. Um, it did in the, at the time of the first two toy story movies, they didn't have a category for best animated film. Um, so this is the one of the three that did win best animated film and also one for best song for we belong together, which they play at the end and show all the toys happily. Um, you know, with Bonnie. And at Side, since they got rid of Locke, so all those toys are happy. Ken, run-
3: Ken runs the place. Yeah. But he's really nice now.
1: Yeah. Yep. Very good. No. <laughs> yes, yeah.
3: there were there were also lots of uh, Toy Story Thanks. shorts that were released after oh, that, yeah. uh, where they are hanging out with Bonnie's toys and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one where they go to a psycho style hotel. <laughs> that's a Halloween episode. Yeah, that's really good.
0: There's one where they go to like a McDonald's style restaurant and they get like a mini buzz.
3: Who are, and, who he, and he tries to pass
0: himself off as regular Buzz <laughs> and uh, Buzz winds that's up going
3: cute. to a support group of McDon- of Happy Meal <laughs> toys that have been left behind that's led by Jane Lynch yep nice. um, there's a there's another one where uh, Bonnie's going on vacation to Hawaii and Ken mm-hmm. and Barbie have smuggled themselves in her bag to try to go to Hawaii but then mm-hmm. she leaves the bag behind and so the other toys throw a Hawaiian yeah. vacation for Ken and Barbie um Cute. It, it, but it's snowing outside yeah. um and yeah it's pretty
2: cute
0: yeah um i will say so we're we're just about wrapping this up but um one last thing that i wanted to talk about that came about because of toy story was the pixar brain trust um so basically what this is is with most films they have an executive style um approach to filmmaking which is basically creatives i.e the director the screenwriter etc they receive mandatory notes from on high from the executives um that they Mm -hmm. then basically executives have like control over their film and they're not really allowed to make the film that they want to make um pixar really didn't want that especially after their early experiences with disney um so on the first toy story um the creators had this like very collaborative working environment where basically every addition to the draft, every change made to the movie went through this peer review process. Um, and that worked really, really well for them. And so they decided to start the Pixar Brain Trust, which basically um, makes that like uh, an integrated part of the Pixar system. So whenever a new film, like whenever a creative comes and says, I have this idea for a film. It goes through the Pixar brain trust, and basically you have all these different people collaborating and giving feedback and reviewing each other's work, and it's all filmmaker driven, as opposed to executive driven, which I think is really, really cool. And I think Mm -hmm. the the quality of Pixar films really speaks to the value of that system. So, yeah.
3: Cars 2 accepted.
0: Yeah, Cars 2 accepted. (laughs) Although, I mean, Cars 2 is at least... Original.
3: Rude. It's not original. It's a James Bond film with cars.
0: Well, I mean, I mean the way that they like incorporate that into the Cars universe is original. Again, just listen to our Pixar bracket. Yeah, <laughs> where we debate anyway. the virtues are not virtues yeah. of that one. Anyway, I wasn't. Well, on, I
3: wasn't on that one, so I can't express. So I just. I'll just express it now.
0: Anyway. Well, thanks guys for sticking with us. I know this is a long episode. Um, Join us next time. And, uh, oh, and as always, follow us on Facebook at Pop Culture Footnotes or on Twitter at PC Footnotes. And be sure to uh, rate and review and subscribe and all that jazz. So, great. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.